Hello and welcome everybody to the Habs World Podcast. I'm your host, Norm Sarek. With me tonight, I have a few uh, co-hosts, same group from last time. And I'm going to start things off with uh, Paul McLeod. How are you, Paul? Oh, very well, Norm. Always happy to be here with you guys. Excellent. Next up, Sean Kayouet. How are you, Sean? I'm great. Thanks for having me for a second time now. Yeah, definitely. And last but not least, Jonathan Rebello. How are you? Um, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so I got to mention, of course, uh, we're recording this uh, the evening of July 14th. And this is episode number 91. The Scott Gomez edition. Scott, and that's uh, Sean K. What's favorite player? He actually had a Scott <laughs> Gomez jersey, and that's a real thing. Oh, really? I did. I was. I went to uh, New York City on a on a trip, and uh, short. It was like shortly after the trade, and they had they already had the Gomez Habs jersey. Wow! And I was and Gomez always burned the Habs, so I thought this is great and stuff. And who's this Ryan McDonough? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, anyways, I had the, I had the original Gomez ninety one. So. <laughs> well, th- both those both those guys are Stanley Cup winners. So, mm. uh, yeah. both them won both them won two Stanley Cups. So, yeah, but not with the right team. Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. Paul. Actually, I remember when I remember when the Gomez trade went down, and I, re- I do remember how excited Sean was. Sean told me that um, t- taking Scott Gomez out of Madison Square Garden would be like, uh, you know, when Gomez was in Madison Square Garden, it was like putting snow tires on a high-end Mercedes and taking him to the Bell Center, we putting on back those sport tires and he was going to light the league up. Close. <laughs> uh, uh, I remember yeah. feeling of foreboding and dread when I heard that trade because pretty, and we'll talk about it, but you know, every time the Canadians trade a young defenseman, I get a bit of a shiver. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. At least they haven't done that recently. Well, we're going to go down that road in a moment. <laughs> Let's start things off, though, with uh, talking about the uh, the 2022 draft. Since Sean, you, and Jonathan both got to experience it firsthand, so uh, I'm a little jealous. I wasn't able to make it work and get there, but and I'm sure Paul would have liked to be there too. So please share your experiences. What was it like? Uh, I, I I mean, everything else I've heard from other people was all positive. So go ahead. It was, go ahead first, Sean. Yeah, I mean, it was my first time ever going to a draft, and it was absolutely uh, electric. I mean, the, the just before, I mean, John and I met up at around four o'clock downtown, hanging out in a, the the Sheraton, not far from the Bell Center. Mm. A lot of the prospects were uh, actually staying there. We saw some. I mean, I don't mm. really know prospects by their face, but we ended up seeing. Uh, maybe John will talk about more, but Connor Geeky was one that was like hanging around us and with his family, taking some tequila shots and stuff. It must be great for prospects, A, to be in Montreal, because it's a great city, but B, I mean, they're 18 in, in Quebec, every other draft city, right? They don't get to do anything, right? <laughs> like uh, if it's in the States or even in Ontario, right? So, yeah. uh, but the, I mean, John can uh, can talk to, uh, more about uh, his previous draft experience in the, <laughs> in the, the little brother of uh, Montreal in Ottawa. Uh, it wasn't as fun. But uh, yeah, it, it was just um, the whole the whole event was really well made, and you know you saw the comments after of uh, you know media people saying we hope it comes back, and not just like just mm-hmm. saying that because they have to, but like they they really want it to come back year to year. 
and, and and I get it because I mean the atmosphere was just fantastic. I don't know how it sounded on TV, but uh, the the booing of Batman. I mean, it was pretty loud in there. Was, <laughs> yeah, John. Yeah, I like I like what John said and say it was spectacular. The moment I arrived in downtown Montreal, you could just feel it was electric. I saw Marty St. Louis walking with some dry cleaning down uh, Rene Levesque there uh, as I was pulling <laughs> into the Sheraton. Uh, we saw Jordan Cairo in the lobby because his brother was drafted that day. Right. Um, we saw ex-hab Pierre Dagenet in the lobby. He's working in some type of obviously, you know, agent role or something like that. Oh. But in terms of comparing it to Ottawa, it's, uh, you know, comparing it to apples in a, a prime rib. You know, you can't even say apples and oranges because they're not even close to the same thing. It was absolutely electric. The building was on fire. Everyone was, you know, excited and on edge making noise. The crowd reacted perfectly at the perfect times. Um, you know, there was a lot of anticipation, obviously, um, especially with Montreal picking first overall, I'm sure, mm. you know, intensified that greatly, but everything about it was spectacular. The city was a buzz. Everybody was focused on the draft for blocks outside of the bell center. It wasn't just, you know, an isolated, um, centralized event. You could tell it was citywide that everyone was fully into it to embrace, uh, to embrace the full weekend. And you got that message yeah, from the media and all the teams saying, you know, this is where, this is where the draft belongs. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, I mean, someday I'm going to get to one. I know that. I just, uh, I, I really, really hope to. It's a bucket list item for me. I, I'll have to say that for sure. So let's get to uh, the meat of the uh, of the topics, and that that would be the first round, first overall selection. Well, both first round picks, really, but the two Slav uh, players there, Slavkovsky and, and Major Major. I'm still pronouncing it wrong. Mishar, yes. Mishar? Okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to you, Paul, first. What, what were your thoughts about the Habs' first picks? Well, I was a little bit I, – I wonder if you guys remember in, in previous – not last podcast, but one before that, I had mentioned kind of thinking about what, what if the Canadians took Slavkovsky. Do you guys remember that? Mm -hmm. No, no, they'll never take Slavkovsky because he's not a center, right? <laughs> so – at that time, I was kind of like, oh, maybe they should take the big hulking winger. But then over time, I was like, oh, my God, they better take a center. So I was a little bit surprised and a little bit disappointed when they initially, just at, at the first moment, but I've, I've since come around. But my initial little bit of surprise, a little bit of, and I was kind of getting used to that. Do, are we going to go into the what happened next or just the, the first pick kind of review? Oh, I, either way. Well, I don't know if you guys read um, my writer's weigh-in piece on the, on the Kirby Doc trade on the mm -hmm. uh, on the website, but it's it's basically mimics the, the you know the five stages of grief as I <laughs> as I noted my reactions to the to the picks and then the trade because when I heard that Montreal had made two trades and they traded for the thirteenth pick and then they'd made another trade, I'm thinking, oh yes, somehow. Hughes has pulled it off. We're getting Wright and Slavkovsky. Because originally, you know, I kind of thought when they took him first, it might have been a ploy to, to leverage New Jersey. But as it turns out, no, it was the 13th pick, uh, the, sorry, Romanoff to the Islanders for the 13th pick, and then the 13th pick, and then I think the 98th to Chicago for Kirby Dock, which is, you know, actually quite a very small price to pay for a good, uh, you know, young center who seems to be emerging in the NHL. Although the problem being that they were able to get Doc for that price because he hasn't really lived up to his potential in the first three years. And 
you know, if he does, it'll be a monster win for, for Montreal. And if he doesn't, uh, it was a not great. It wouldn't be a, not a terrible trade as, as, as some of them go. But I was sad to see Romanov go. And I was like, I noted, I always get a little bit itchy when Canadians trade a young defenseman because lately it hasn't, over the last 30 years, it hasn't worked out too well. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. And then, of course, I'm back to thinking that Hughes and the development team are going to be able to work with Doc and bring out his potential because I don't know if you guys saw it in the paper today, but there was an article about how Le, Le, uh, Le Cabier and, and uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain were both uh, very impressed with our new director of, of player skill development and said they learned a lot from him in one day of, of training. So that, I thought that was a, a positive sign, and I hope. That's Adam uh, Nicholas, right? Sorry? Adam yes. Nicholas? Yeah. Adam Nichols, maybe. Oh, Nichols? Okay, I think, yeah. I think. Okay. Seems to have a great reputation around the league. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Sean, what were your thoughts about those first round picks? <laughs> my, well, my first thought was to stop John from jumping over the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, John... Uh, uh, he'll share that. Maybe he shared the photo with you, but he did make a, a sign. It's the first time John's ever made a sign for a hockey game. I'm, I'm fairly mm. certain. Mm-hmm. And it obviously wasn't a hockey game, but the first time he brought, went to the bell center uh, <laughs> on one side, make the right choice. And the other side was uh, Shane, Wright, No matter what. So he was pretty convinced <laughs> both. He didn't, he didn't put Slavkowski on the other side to make himself look good. Right. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, I don't know how to make that, that feeling, that anticipation when that pick is coming up, when they're walking on stage and you're kind of like, you're so nervous and you realize how much you love the team. Right. And uh, when he said uh, from the Slovakia national team and all you heard was, Oh, you know, like nobody, <laughs> nobody would believe it. And I mean, they went out and did it. I mean, the, 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 the cojones it takes to, to, to pull a move like that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I got to respect it, even if he wasn't my choice. I and mean, when we spoke about it last uh, last episode, right, that everyone here said Shane Wright. And just made sense, right? So you have Suzuki and who the heck is, else is there? Like, it's Dvorak's not staying until he's 35 years old, right? And how good is he? And Evans isn't that type of center. So yeah. you're kind of surprised by that. But, you know, I went back and I know John's made comments and stuff about – you know, this Slavkovsky wasn't even raided in the first round by the midseason and stuff. But like, I went back to look, and he was actually fifth on Bob's list in the mid at the end of January, and that was despite only having four points in the Liga at that point, have not played the Olympics, not played the World Championships. So that obviously, scouts saw something, right? They saw something, mm-hmm. and every every time I watched him, I saw it, I was like, oh, he can be really good. Like he's quite impressive. He's not a center. He's quite like at six foot three and having hands like that. So it's not surprising at the end, you know, once he had the Olympics was named MVP. Once he did the world championships, had nine, nine points, I believe in nine games, six points in March in Liga, and then ended up seven points in the Liga playoffs. I mean, it's, you can see that the, the projection, you know, the, the, the trajectory was like skyrocketing. Right. So, I mean, and then every, everything leading up to that, you know, Bob's final list came out and said, well, people are actually leaning more Slavkovsky. And then more and more people were saying, you know, Renaud Lavoie, I think he was the one that went on before in the French media and said, I would fall off my chair if the Habs picked right. So, you know, you didn't want to believe it. And then at the end, it happened. And, you know, he, he's won me over with his personality alone. 
I don't know if you've seen all the interviews and stuff. I mean, he seems like a really good kid. And I think it's someone that that's going to thrive in that spotlight. But is he the right pick? I mean, I'm sure, uh, John, go ahead. <laughs> you can tell us if you think he's the right pick. <laughs> well, I, I just don't think so. And and I, I, I obviously, I'm going to hope I'm wrong and I'm going to cheer for Slavkovsky and hope he becomes, you know, Ovechkin Matthews 3.0. Like, I, that's what I would love for that to happen. But when you have an opportunity to draft um, a player that from when he was 15 years old was projected to go number one overall and kept that projection until, you know, what, 15 days before the draft, I think it's a mistake. You know, the, the middle of the ice is where you win and lose games. You know, middle of the ice, defensemen and goalies, wingers don't often, you know, win championships or win playoff series. You know, there's exceptions to that rule. The middle of the ice is where you dominate. And I, I really believe Shane Wright's going to have a spectacularly long career. I don't necessarily think Shane Wright's going to be, you know, first uh, ballot Hall of Famer or, um, you know, the, uh, on, on the first all-star team every year. But I think Shane Wright's going to play in the league for 20 years and, and, and put up a pile of points. And I think he's going to be a great player. I, I don't know that about Slavkovsky. You know, I, I have, a, I have a, a horrible inclination that makes me think he's going to bust. And, you know, like his career high in goals in Montreal will be, you know, 18 in a season. I, I just don't, I just don't know if his game is going to translate the fact that he's not been able to, you know, produce in the league, like you said, you know, I, I know he had some points near the end of the playoffs, but I'm, I'm very scared. Uh, however, on, on, you know, to say play the other side of the coin, I, I do believe this would have been a collaborative decision and, you know, Marty St. Louis and Vinny Lecavier are, are winners and know what it takes to win. And, you know, they would have, they were in, in those meetings with Slavkovsky and speaking to him and obviously spoke to the other top picks as well. And maybe, they saw something in right that they don't, they didn't like maybe some type of character flaw. Um, but you know, it's, it's impossible to judge right now, but I do think it was the wrong, the wrong. The, 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 the stare down was something, the stare down was something I can get being upset, but uh, I mean, that, that's just like, it seems a little entitled, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that to me, when I saw that, I was like, uh, like, and then you dropped it fourth too. You know, it's not like it's somewhat, it's not like New Jersey ran up and said, we have to take right now. That, right? Okay, that did make it a little easier on me as you, well. You saw it next to, when it's sitting next yeah. to me that it did yeah. make it a little easier. The right just kept slipping, and then and another saw that tweet. ahead of him. Yeah, and then we saw that tweet saying we think the Maple Leafs might have interest in Shane Wright at pick number twenty-eight or wherever they were picking. So, <laughs> like, we didn't know how far he was going to fall at that point. And then Ron Francis said, "You know what? I know another center that went num number four overall and had a pretty decent career, and that was me. So yep. maybe you'll be the next Ron Francis, and you'll score seventeen hundred points in the NHL." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking exactly that too, uh, Jonathan, about the Ron Francis comparison. Uh, and I saw Francis in his rookie year with the Sioux Greyhounds uh, play quite a bit. And and so I, and he might end up being like that. It's, uh, he's got all the tools. But as we talked about on the last podcast, I, I, I guess I, I, like the rest of you, thought it was gonna, they were going to go in the direction of right, but I'm probably the biggest, I guess, proponent of, of considering Slavkovsky. So as the days get, got closer and closer to the draft, I kept on hearing more and more uh, rumors, social media stuff, whatever stuff on the radio where people were talking more and more about them. It just seemed like they were going to that direction. They, and so they made it happen. They must see something special in them. Sean, I agree. He's, he comes across as a really good kid. I think he seems to have uh, the right attitude and, and perhaps the tools to, to adapt to this environment. And not take that pressure too seriously, I guess. So he's got, and he's got the jawline the ladies will love. That's for sure. <laughs> he's a handsome guy. 
He, yeah. he is one sexy mask. He is very, <laughs> very handsome. Well, actually, I was rewatch. I taped the draft and I was just rewatching it to show Leslie like the crowd reaction, my wife. And uh, the first thing my wife said when he walked on stage is like, wow, nice butt. Because <laughs> he does, he does have an absolute Crosby slash Medano slash St. Louis Keister. It sticks out like like 16 inches from his back. Throw Yager in that group, and I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Yager, a big time. Speaking of Yager, I like this tweet. You know, attention DMs available. Yeah. 50, slow, but have good hands. Yeah. Yeah. 265 pounds, still good hands, only like to play home games. I'm also looking for a defenseman for my team in the Czech Republic. Classic. This is a serious tweet. That was awesome. And, and back to the. To the draft itself and when the trade was announced i mean that was even more fireworks i mean it was yeah. just the anticipation and i think and like you paul like uh, for a second i was like are they really doing this are they trading up to get them and then in the back of my head i said i mean the you know the blackhawks just used the seventh overall f- for to bring cat i mean uh, the sense you seventh overall for to bring cat from the blackhawks so i was like i don't mm. think you can just get the 13th and move up to four <laughs> you know like it just seemed like very improbable but uh I, I like Kirby Doc in his draft here. I mean, he's got tantalizing skill set and size, right? He's got things to work on, and I think he was kind of jerked around in Chicago a bit. And uh, well, we'll see. I mean, if, like you know, Marty Saint Louis seems to be doing well with the kids. So I mean, if he gives them the confidence, you never know what can happen. And but Romanov, yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I would not have liked to trade him myself, but like in my head, I mean, he has second pairing upside. I mean, there's no offensive upside there. Like, I don't think he's going to be a Ryan McDonough where you can play him 25 minutes a game or some Mikhail Sergachev who can get you 40 points a season. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. And then at the same time, you have, you know, Gooley and Jack Eye that came out of nowhere that, that are those two physical left D. So you kind of thought, well, maybe he's, so I don't want to get rid of him, but he's, you know, we got the people to cover for him. So it's mm-hmm. a game. And who knows if he's even going to come back to North America, right? Because I heard he's got a, a contract offer on the table from his old KHL team. Is that not correct? I heard something about that. Yeah. I thought it was just a burden employee. They, were, they said they offered him something like $950,000 or something. Yep. I, I guess, yeah, the guy you want to get into a bargaining match with is definitely Lula Amarillo for sure. <laughs> Interesting thing about Ray, I was listening to Grant McKeg, who obviously was biased towards <laughs> Stokowski. Just, just a, a, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he actually said that he talked to it several scouts and at least at least one influential person in Seattle didn't want to draft right. Oh, well, okay. So, didn't want to draft right. Did not. Oh. Well, there was that, uh, there was something that came out that said, uh, I mean, the Canadians were doing a lot of due diligence and they were, apparently they were going af- pretty hard after the prospects saying, you know, these are the things we like that you do. These are the things we don't, that mm-hmm. you need to work on. Yeah. And it sounds like Slavkowski was very like, I agree with some of this. I disagree with some of this. And he was very open to it, but it's, it sounded like Shane Wright, the report says didn't, wasn't really open to that. Yeah. It was, didn't take the criticism very well. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's your first, that's a warning. I mean, if that's, if that's true, if you think you're the perfect player, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It could be a sign of immaturity too. It's hard. To, it's hard to say, but yeah, but they, Seattle did sign him to a contract already this week. Yeah. After the, yes, game. they did. So, yeah. At least we know he won't burn the halves unless it's the cup finals, right? I mean, that'd, that'd be the worst, the worst possible. Like, <laughs> Odds of that are pretty slim, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the dog trade that I'm I'm more worried about than this last call. Okay. Because if okay. it doesn't work, 
then we have this gigantic donut in the middle again. Mm-hmm. And unless they finish in the bottom this year, or if Florida finishes in the bottom, or after they trade Petrie to Dallas, if Dallas just finishes in the bottom and it's an unprotected pick, the Cavs could have three tickets in that lottery for Mr. Connor Bedard next year. Mm. And then it'll be Connor Bedard until about five weeks before the season starts. And then we'll hear about some, you know, Ukrainian winger that's really big and <laughs> did really well in the, in the, uh, in the, the third division world junior championships playing against Uzbekistan and China. You say, you say that, but there is a Slovakian center that's rated top five, Dalibor Dvorsky. <laughs> he would complete the line with Mashar and Slavkovsky uh, on the left and right. There you go. So you never know. Never know. <laughs> I really like that pick. Reading his, yeah. Looking at his, his uh, highlights. Mm-hmm. I there's, a, there's comparison to Saku Koivu with the attacking in the middle of the ice and just being... You know, need to work on his shot and stuff, but really being shifty to the young Saku where he could skate a lot faster. Yeah, that's yeah. quite tantalizing. And he's yeah, right-handed, sure. correct? Mashar's a righty? Yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot too. I did uh, part of the write-up for the uh, for a mock draft and I did the piece on Mashar. He impressed me a lot. And, and another thing that people don't talk about a lot is before this last season when he played in the men's league, he was a center. So... Yeah. You never know. He may still graduate back over to that position, depending on where things go. I might be the and, uh, center. I think uh, he wants to come to to North America. It sounds like, and uh, Kitchener owns his rights. So, I mean, that that'd be great offensively. You know, you're more likely to get the puck on your stick a lot in the OHL than you are in the you know in Europe. So, yeah, that's true. Although Laval's still an option too. <laughs> yeah, and I think that might be the best bet for uh, Slavkovsky. You know to kind of get used to the, I, I don't know, maybe they think he can be in the NHL right away. Uh, I, I hate rushing prospects because we did it twice with the other yeah, top three picks. That's yeah. true. That's the other thing that I get gun shy about is, is yeah. he going to be in the NHL this year? It's like, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, yes, he's, he's going to be in the NHL this year, fellas, yes. Maybe it's just for the nine games at the start, but he will be oh, opening, opening night in Montreal against Toronto. Well, Yuri, Yuri Slavkovsky will be on the ice for the opening face-off. That'd be cool. Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, to echo your, your thoughts, too. I, I wasn't crazy about them trading away Romanov. I, I liked him, but but like like you were saying, Sean, too, I, I think he's a, a bottom three defenseman uh, on the team. He was kind of moved up a little bit this last season because of all the injuries and everything else. But he didn't show me enough under Martin St. Louis. So I'm, I'm not as, and with all the depth now that they have on the, on the left side, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a little more comfortable with seeing him go. Doc is still an interesting prospect too. He was, he was pretty highly rated. He wasn't quite a, like a number three rated, but I think he was like a top 10 for the draft that he, he was selected in. And so I thought, ah, it's, it's worth it. He had a couple of tough injuries. I think he had about a COVID too, that knocked him out for some time. And he didn't co- recover from quickly. So he's had a lot of obstacles and Chicago was just a shit show place to play last uh-huh. season because of all the controversy and all that. Nobody could be, get themselves that up to playing and under, under such a negative environment and people being fired and let go and everything else just to when that trade ugly. Oh. Go ahead. When that trade happened for a brief moment, when they said in Montreal trades that pick to Chicago, I did think for one brief second, we were going to hear, Patrick Kane is coming to Montreal and I thought <laughs> like the building would have absolutely exploded. But I did think that because they traded to bring it and we all know the Blackhawks are trying for 
they're trying for Connor Bernard. They are trying to be the worst yeah. team in the league next year. Oh yeah. Um, so I did think that was a possibility and that would have been wild. Oh, um, sure. What I can say in terms of excitement about the draft, the player I'm that I'm very excited for is the little bone boy, Lane Hudson, um, especially yeah. with, uh, especially with the way he started off the prospect camp flying around like a little buzzsaw scoring some beautiful goals. Um, you know, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be an NHLer just based on, you know, uh, feedback from other Habs fans that I've read that he's somebody really to be excited about. And just the way he started off prospect camp and reading that tweet that, you know, anytime they were doing a drill, even though Lane Hudson hadn't done it before, they were asking him to do the drill first. So he's obviously a very heady player and you can just watch the way he plays. He's, he's a mile ahead of everyone else in terms of the way the game, the game progresses. He just is eating guys alive out there. And I, I think he's an NHL for sure. He's going to take a while to get there. I'm sure. Cause he's a little guy, but I'm excited about Lane Hudson. Me too. But also he's going to, Bo I think, Boston College. So he'll have some time mm -hmm. to, to grow and develop. And apparently he even had a test from an endocrologist or another doctor <laughs> saying that he's, his hormones and his bone plates indicated he had room to grow. So if, if he actually had a, you know, a, got up to, you know, 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", if he had 5'10", man, <laughs> with the way he skates and moves and thinks the game, uh, he could be the player of the draft right there. Yeah. You know, even if he doesn't grow that much, if he just puts on enough weight to survive in the NHL, I think he's going to be a good player. Maybe he'll surprise you. Maybe we'll get to six two six three all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I wouldn't, yeah, when you know, NHL what, teams look silly there. <laughs> yeah. Is six three and could move like that? We, there wouldn't be any about who was going first overall. It's true. <laughs> For sure. Actually, the last uh, the last podcast, you guys asked me. Uh, who I think they could get with their second first round. And he was one of the names I threw out. Mm. And the fact that he fell to 62, I mean, uh, I thought there was no way. I thought you'd had to get him at least 33. Right. And then, uh, and I, I, John didn't make it to the second day, but I went to the second day and it was, uh, that was the loudest cheer of the day actually was the haps when he was picked. Oh. Uh, and it, yeah, uh, people were really excited and, and I get it. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, he's a, if he was a couple inches taller, he's a top 15 pick easily, yeah. right? So, I mean, if you can get that at 60, uh, was it was 62, right? Uh, 62, yes, yeah. yeah 33, I, 62. I, I mean, geez, uh, that, that's great. That's great value. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And and the other fellow that they did pick at 33, that Owen Beck sounds pretty promising too. Like another center, good speed, really good defensive, top. Uh, as a rookie, he was the top uh, face-off guy, like 60% winning percentage in the dot. Uh, he he's sounds like, and he's got some offensive tools too. So he sounds like he's like at least a number three center for this team easily. Yeah. In and in, because, because of COVID uh, last year was his first OHL year. So that's mm -hmm. someone that you keep an eye on next year and he couldn't explode offensively. You know, he was just getting yeah. used to the league and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people talked about Shane Wright being a great center and a great face-off guy, but he took a lot of face-off, but he was only like a 49 something percent. Whereas Owen Beck, like you said, you know, 60% and he models his game, you know, like a Bo Horvat type. And if you can get that type at 33, yeah. I know people say, oh, it's a safe pick. It's a safe pick, but you need centers, right? You need yeah. centers that can do the, like the Deneau work, right? And they don't have it right, right now. And, right. and he was the only the fourth OHL player picked in the draft. There's only three OHLers went in the first round, which is pretty much unheard of. Oh. <laughs> what, what I liked is all of the, I didn't see lack of hockey sense listed as a weakness or lack of speed remaining as a correct as a weakness for any of the guys they picked 
right. with some skating ability and all thinking the game at a high level. It's, I like the fact that there's a deliberate strategy and like the, at least a couple of different strategies, but picking the players who can skate, think the game fast, and then also, you know, grabbing the, the Quebec, oh, the Quebecois overager in the seventh round. <laughs> the classic. Yeah. Was but another the, uh, Michel Torini, Miguel. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. But another yeah, really I, small I but agree. offensive defenseman, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. 20, but I mean, you, you know, it, it's always good in the seventh round to get someone that can maybe play in the ECHL or Laval right away, mm-hmm. help those teams out and kind of just get to the next level right away. But I agree with you, Paul. Uh, I mean, they, they seem to have the type of player, even the ones I, I didn't know. Like, I had no idea who Adam Angstrom was. Right. And then you apparently he's just a six foot two Swedish defenseman that can skate really well. I mean, that's what the NHL is. And that does kind of, you know, putting importance on that. I can get behind that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's move along. There was a trade in between our last podcast and this one, too. One that we thought was going to happen really is the trading away the rights of Shea Weber because Shea Weber's not has any chance of, of playing in the NHL again. For this um, forward, Dadnoff, what, what, what are your thoughts, guys? Jonathan, I'll go with you first. Well, I think uh, I think everyone knows that uh, Shea Weber is probably never going to play NHL hockey again, and this was um, a salary dump essentially for uh, Vegas to help them get cap compliant. And we know what else Vegas did; they traded away uh, that useless American. Um, I can't remember what his last name is. Max P. Something. He used to play for the Canadians. <laughs> I think Michel Terrien said it said it greatly when he said he was the worst captain in Canadian's history. I can't remember his last name. Anyways, I know his dad doesn't, I know his dad doesn't go to his games or anything like that, but uh, yeah, back on the Shea Weber Dadnov trade, Dadnov, you know, I, I think it might be a great trade for the Canadians because he might be able to turn into a second round pick when they trade him at the deadline this year. I think mm-hmm. that's essentially, I hope that was the mindset bringing him in. I hope it's not to bring him in for him to be a long-term solution on this team. I don't think that's the case. So I'll say great trade. Cause you know, unload, Weber, so they have a little bit more flexibility to sign guys this offseason for the Canadians, and then hopefully uh, they can move Dadnov near the trade deadline to acquire um, a nice return uh, in March next year. Okay, Paul, what do you think? Well, I had similar thoughts, except that you know I was I I thought that was you know the the fleecing of Vegas for the season until they traded for that you know Patcheretti guy who doesn't. <laughs> oh, that's the name. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I thought, I thought Kent Hughes, like there was talk going that, you know, the Canadians were going to have to give up assets to get out from under Weber's contract. Uh, and instead they got an asset. They got a player that, you know, helped this season. And like John said, hopefully get an asset at, at the trading deadline. But of course, if, if Vegas is, uh, is, you know, tooling up again, there could be a first, another first round pick in, in play there. Hmm. <laughs> Never know. Sean, what did you think? Yeah, I echo those statements. I mean, I'm. Uh, it sounded like I mean Weber was close to being traded during the season, right? The way that Kent Hughes was saying, um, I thought they were. It was going to go to Arizona to get them to the cap floor for a pick, mm-hmm. you know, a, a late pick or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, to get an asset out of that, uh, you know, I, I hope Dadanov gets zero point, like <laughs> zero points that someone trades for him in the, you know, because I don't think the Habs are going to be good next year. But, uh, yeah, I think, like, John, they can flip in with the deadline. Uh, I don't know what the heck Vegas are doing. Like, I understand the, the LTIR thing and stuff, but at the end of the day, you traded 
you know, it wasn't the whole point of getting Jack Eichel is you have that loaded first line with Eichel, Stone, and Patch Ready, and then you get Patch Ready away for nothing, but you trade for Weber to get, you know, cap that leniency. And anyways, I, I just, I have no idea. I mean, they're just kind of, to me, they're poorly managed, really poorly managed. Like it's, it's just like Icarus here, flying way too close to the sun. They went to the cup finals the one year and then now it's just, mm. they're trying to hold on to that. And I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. You, Can't you think, blame them way. You, you think constantly trading away assets for nothing is bad. strategy, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and top prospects too. Right. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll add one little bit to this trade because I wasn't familiar with Dadnoff. I knew he had played for a couple other teams before him, but I found it interesting that he had a connection with Mike Hoffman because they both played in Florida for a while and they both had their best seasons and played on the same line for most of that season. So maybe there's something to that. We'll, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, if Hoffman could score a lot of goals and get traded at the deadline, that would be most excellent. Yes. Is definitely. he a free agent too at the, is it the next year? No. No, no, uh, yeah, nobody's taking, nobody's taking him then. No, no, unfortunately. Okay, guys. So I wanted to bring up a, a lesser known item in the transactions column for the Habs that happened uh, recently, and that was the qualifying offers for some of their restricted free agents. I have to admit, I was really surprised that a guy like Rem Pitlick did not get a qualifying offer. I thought he played pretty well uh, for them after they picked him up and. I was kind of surprised. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Pitlick and any of the other transactions there? Go ahead, Sean. I mean, like you, yeah, I was completely surprised. But, you know, at the end of the day, when uh, the previous manager built the worst team in the league with the <laughs> highest cap hit, you're bound to just lose players, right? So, uh, I mean, at, what was his shooting percentage at? Like almost 30%. Like it must have been between 20 and 30%. So maybe they're just banking on him to – go back down to the average. I mean, I, I, he could have been another Progress to the mean. Yeah. But he's always been like that through his career and Byron's this is similar, right? Because they get a lot of chances because of their speed. So it's, you know, breakaways and such. So of course the percentage will be high, but I, I don't know. I mean, I hate losing players for free, especially good young players. So yeah. th- that, that one was a bit perplexing. Um, I mean, he's still not signed, right? So maybe the, the idea was for him to, maybe the, he has an offer on the table or something, and they said, wait for us to unload some money. But who knows? I don't know how often gentlemen's off. Uh, well, we see a lot of gentlemen's agreements happen because 1201 on free agent frenzy, all of a sudden everyone's signed without having talked to anyone. So <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's what they have, because I think he seemed to, the, to fit extremely well. I mean, he was even on the top line for a while, right? So... Yeah, he spent some line all, all around the uh, some time all around the lines, and yeah, yeah, that's why it was especially perplexing. And that he's is, that, he's a player they a picked up, yeah, and he's a player they the new regime picked up. So it wasn't like it was a cast off from uh, Bergeron's regime. Uh, it was how did they acquire know. Pitlick again? Was it waivers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's it'd be it'd still be losing a guy for that you didn't didn't cost you anything either. Um, what I'll say about Pitlick, although he had a great year. I, Sometimes it's uh, it can be pretty easy to you know have a great year on a, on a terrible team because there's no pressure. So to pl- play the other side of the coin there, maybe you know they think Rem was a good guy to have on the team last year, but they're not uh, too worried about him leaving, and maybe he'll uh, find out the pastures or the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Or maybe like Sean said, maybe there is a deal in place for him at some point, and he will come back to Montreal and just wanted to see 
what else was out there for him. Maybe somebody was going to give him an extra year or two. Uh, but one one way or another, I'm not too worried about Rem Pitt. Like he's not going to make or break the Canadian success, um, you know, in their growth growing going forward. Okay. Um, that's that's the old uh, Galchenyuk and Eric Cole, right? Have a great season when there's just zero and nothing on the line, right? Yeah. And just kind of fool everyone thinking you have a great player. But... Yeah, Cole used to score in the playoffs, but I don't know how much he did for us, but. Yeah, I like Pitlick, but the Canadians did make him an offer, and apparently they made him a, a decent offer, and he refused it. And they oh. didn't qualify him because his arbitration possibility was something ridiculous, like almost $3 million. Uh, that's, that's why they walked away. And, you know, it's just look at across the league, there's unprecedented number of, you know, decent young players not qualified by their teams. Um, simply because of the qualifying offer and the arbitration scare. So, um, you know, there's, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't worry about it. They tried to keep him. He wanted to leave. You know, if the player doesn't accept your offer, not much you can do. So, Sure. I, I will say it's a breath of fresh air that, uh, you know, the previous regime would have fallen in love with this player, right? Bergevin mm-hmm. would have re-signed him right away. Yeah. Right. Like he loved middle six guys that you can plug anywhere in the lineup or even bottom bottom line guys. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the guy, ones that work hard and, you know, want to waivers. He loves those types of stories. Right. Like he did with Byron. And stuff. So it's nice that now we have a regime that says it doesn't matter. You know, we're not attached to you. We're going to do what's best for the team. Like Romanov. Right. Yeah. 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 For and, better or worse, you know. And maybe they're they're also possibly allowing a little bit of a opening there for uh, Slavkovsky too, if he impresses it up in training camp. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I will say I, I'd rather, much rather have Rem Pitlick at 3 million than I would have Mike Hoffman at four and a half. Right. I mean, mm. that goes without saying, but I mean, if you can't get rid of one, you can't really add the other. Yeah. The problem is he signed the wrong fin. Yeah. <laughs> Oh anyway. uh, gosh. Okay. So I thought I'd, I'd end things up with, uh, on the Hab side of it for early predictions. So I know Sean, you had mentioned a moment or two ago that, uh, you, you weren't thinking that they were going to do so well this, this season. Uh, so I'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, how can they, I mean, they haven't improved at all. I mean, they're going to be adding a, a, a really green player from Liga that didn't really produce there. If assuming he stays up, they're getting rid of more. I mean, the season only turned around once. Well, it didn't even turn around. You know, we had this impression. They looked a lot better under Marquis St. Louis, but I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, they didn't, they still didn't really produce that much. And now you're going to try to get rid of Jeff Petrie. I mean, who's going to, who's going to skate the puck out of the zone? Like I have, <laughs> really like David Savard like I don't like it the power play is going to just be abysmal from the back end mm. and uh you know the price up in the air so now you you bring I think they gave an offer to, to Montembeau did they not yes did he bring he was, him yeah. yeah he's cool. qualified I mean yeah he was I yeah think. he was I was just looking at the list and so you know and it seems to be their goal right to just be as bad as possible I mean with all these those veterans have a lot of pride. That's the only thing that scares me. Right. And, you know, Suzuki and Cole really clicked and I hope they keep doing well, but mm-hmm. uh, I just, I just can't see it. I mean, I not with that defense and that goaltending. Cause I don't think price is coming back. I mean, I just, I, I don't see that either. Okay. So not Chicago bad, but not uh, 
<laughs> I think they'll be in the top 10 uh, in terms of the draft. I think okay. they'll be in the top 10 in terms of draft. So bottom 10 of the league. Yeah. Okay. I, I was even thinking maybe bottom five, but yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, they're, they're going to be, I don't know. I, they are the worst team in the Atlantic by far. I mean, look how good Ottawa is becoming. Yeah. Buff, Buffalo is improving. Detroit improved a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I, I just can't see them being ahead of any of those teams. Yeah. Hopefully they're, hopefully they're one point ahead of Florida. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to be ugly. Another 82 games of pain. <laughs> you know, not, not, not pain if they're playing competitively though. Like you did mention watching the games with St. Louis coaching was much better. You know, as long as they're yeah. going to try to score offense and playing to win, like not, not playing some defensive shell hockey with a team that, you know, is not suited to play that type of hockey, go out there, run and gun and, and try to get South Suzuki a hundred points and, get Caulfield 50 goals, even if, even if they're both minus 40 at the end of the year, who cares? Let them have fun. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it's going to be a tough year for Montreal again, um, especially, especially because of the goaltending and defense. That's going to be the biggest problem. If they mm. trade Petrie away, um, having David Savard and um, yeah, whoever else they put, they put on the back end there, they're, they're going to be pretty green or pretty bad. Um, and then in, in nets, yeah, they, they don't have a goalie that can be, you know, um, I don't even know if they have a goalie that can play 50 games between yeah. Allen or Montembeau. Allen, Allen always gets injured when they play, when he plays too much. And Montembeau, we, we saw what he can do. It's, uh, he's not very good. Yep. We've got to come up with a new motto. We had uh, feel the pain for Shane. You know, we've got <laughs> something for, that rhymes with Connor or Bedard. Suck hard for Bedard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. I think that's Chicago's official theme for the season. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they still haven't even got rid of Kane and Taves. I mean, I don't, they can't be happy. They can't be wanting to stick around. Yeah, mm. I don't even care. Like, I'm not even a Blackhawks fan, but why on earth would they give Dabrinkat away for that price? They, they gave Dabrinkat away because they want to piss Taves and Kane off so much that they'll waive their no-trade clauses. Maybe. <laughs> or the, they have full no-movement clauses. They want those guys to be pissed off and waive them so they can get value for them by trading them away. Mm. That's what they want. They only have a year left. It's at the end. They're gone. Exactly. But well. if you're think, – Paul, think about trade deadline happens. A team has enough room to acquire Patrick Kane. Do you not think that would be a nice addition for a team going into the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean – I think Patrick Kane could – I think a team would give two first-round picks for Patrick Kane, maybe even three first-round picks for Patrick Kane. They might, but you have still no guarantee that any of those guys are going to be better than Debrinkat. Right? That's the thing. Because that is a possibility. I was perplexed by that because, and Doc, I mean, like you're you're rebuilding, you get rid of a 21-year-old center, right, that you just completely gave up on, and a 24-year-old player that scored 40 goals twice. Like, shouldn't you build around these guys? With Debrinket, though, with Debrinket, though, he could very well be a Chicago Blackhawk at the start of not this season, but the next season. The likelihood of Ottawa giving him 10 to 12 million a year is very low, right? Right. Although maybe not. It seems since Eugene's died, the purse strings have been loosened. They gave, didn't they give Josh Norris a $200 million contract today? <laughs> they paid Josh Norris more than they paid Nick yeah. Suzuki. Oh, is that right? Nick Suzuki. Oh, yeah. that, I, that I did not know. I, I, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen the details. Hmm. It was a little much, yeah. Pierre Duran has become much smarter since Eugene died. <laughs> well, they got word of Pierre Maguire, so that, that that's your first. Oh. 
<laughs> Poor Pierre. Well, he landed on his feet at Sportsnet again. Uh, <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed that, you know, McGuire was the one singing Slavkovsky's praises. <laughs> like, oh, McGuire, oh, like a, a big body presence. You got to Yeah, exactly. That. And he's I'm probably sure had McGu- like the, the best pancakes in his life in uh, Colciche or whatever he's from. Oh, yeah. And I McGuire. guarantee you, Pierre Maguire was looking at Slavkovsky in the shower, guaranteed. <laughs> Wouldn't have gone that far, but sure. Well, no, <laughs> Maguire said that once. He said, have you seen him in the shower? Like he's talking about how big his legs are and stuff. But Maguire did say that once. Oh, my God. All right. That comments right off the reservation, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that alludes to the Theodore pick, yeah. Well put. Uh, no, the, the price, price, the price pick. pick. The price pick. Sorry, yes. Yeah. When they had Theodore, and he just won the uh, the hard trouble. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. He didn't. He, he didn't get fired for that. <laughs> no. You could say that in two thousand five. I mean, it's yes, you could. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I I might get you know just for making reference to that. Yeah, you're never invited back on this podcast again. So it was a nice. It was a nice two episode run, but uh, this is it for you. Please unplug your mic. <laughs> I'm like Josie Theodore. I have one good one good year, and that's it. Well, since we're uh, as of this date, we're like two days into free agent frenzy here, as as Tian likes to call it. Any any significant signings by any teams that anybody was surprised to see, or anybody want to comment on some of the former? Oh, the, the biggest one. Johnny. I got to say, I gotta say Johnny. Johnny Goudreau. Well, okay, what is that? Yeah, yep. I, I couldn't believe he left all that money in Calgary to go to Columbus. I was blown away. Um, re- reading some stuff from New York Islanders fans and New York Islanders media, they're pretty pissed with Lou Lamarillo that he couldn't sell them on, on Long Island because I <laughs> guess the Islanders offered him significantly more money um, to, to come to Long Island, and he, he couldn't make it happen. Oh. And that's not, that doesn't bode well for you know all of the players on the Islanders, what they think of the team, if they weren't able to bring in Goudreau, he's, he's gone further away from home by going to Columbus. Um, it's a, it's a longer flight home now to New Jersey, Philadelphia area where, where Johnny's from. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I was blown away that he went to Columbus and I loved seeing what Yarmo Kekalainen said, you know, that a few, a few guys a couple of years ago uh, said Columbus is a shitty place to play, but, uh, and he just had to, you know, bite his lip and not say anything, mm-hmm. but he believes that Columbus is a great place to play. And, he thinks he believes that uh, Goudreau signing there is, uh, you know, going to turn the tides for Columbus, and it very well could. You know, if if Johnny's able to attract some other players, not this summer, but next summer now, uh, maybe Columbus will turn into a force. Yeah. But yeah, I couldn't believe know. that he left. I couldn't believe that he left Calgary to go to Columbus. It and that, blows that, my mind. That that helps Columbus in terms of retaining Line, I would think too. You know, right. he's right. much more likely to say now that he has a winger like that on the other side. Oh, I mean, that power play is going to be, it's going to be dangerous. Yeah. It's going to be feeding them a lot. I mean, they're a good young team. It's just, it's just perplexing. Like you said, it's their first big free agent signing. I think like that. I yeah. can think of. Yeah. And the last I, one, I, I can't think of Jeff any Carter other free agent, big free agent signing. There. I think they traded for Jeff nope. Carter. That was yep. a trade. He went right away. He left as soon as he could. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Bobrovsky. Yeah. They lost other players that they could. Panarin. Yeah, yep. but to me, Columbus wasn't as big a shock as hearing that he left almost twenty million on the table. I mean, I can see hmm. players picking different cities for weird reasons, but twenty million bucks—you're hmm. literally giving twenty million dollars to leave Calgary. What is that? What a slap in the face for Calgary! Oh, and it's not yeah, like there's well, like a bunch of sponsorships in Columbus. 
either. I would think like it's like what is it? it's below behind Ohio State easily in terms of sports, right? So it's, it's I don't know if people go to Blue Jackets games. <laughs> like uh, not to be rude or anything, they got a great atmosphere in the playoffs and stuff. But like eighty-two, uh, forty-one games a season. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, a buddy of mine did go to a, a game. It's about a five-hour drive from here uh, to to Columbus to watch the Habs game one time. He said the atmosphere was pretty good, actually. He yeah. wasn't at that game when the cannon went off ten times, was he? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it was that one. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was awful. That one was. I um, ha- ha- have to say also, uh, you know, big ups to our, our boy, Arturi Lekkinen. Um, You know, what a guy he is. Scores the goal to put the avalanche in the cup finals. Scores the cup winner. Uh, mm-hmm. And then signs a big ticket in Colorado. You know, I, I also love how wasted he was on the, on the fire truck during the parade <laughs> with the firemen yes. having to hold him on there. I also loved uh, his looking, the reaction of his father. While he was like doing the drinking the beer through his jersey and drinking beers out of his shoe, his oh. father looked so disappointed in him, and you could just tell that Arturi didn't care. And I'm sure his father was okay with it. Just like you don't have to be this silly, Arturi. But uh, big ups <laughs> to him. Um, I, I, I I thought it was a little interesting that uh, you know the Red Wings loved all of their signings except for the long deal that they gave Ben Chirot. But uh, I think Ben Chirot's playoff run two years ago with Montreal is really done him some favors in terms of what people think about him around the league. He's not uh, an analytics darling by anybody's imagination, but um, you know, he passes the eye test with hockey guys and Steve Eisenman knows a thing or two about, uh, about building a winner. So I'll trust him there. And I did think there was a little bit of a chance that Kulak could maybe come back to Montreal. That didn't happen. Oh, well. And um, I was uh, very happy to see Laura, Laurel Dolphin end up in Arizona. I'm happy that guy won't be anywhere near the Canadians next year. That makes me happy. <laughs> I was really happy Matt Murray went to the Leafs. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know what. I it's a whole thing of you know Dubis and previous players he managed in the OHL. But oh. uh, it seems to yeah, and I don't know. I I don't great. know if he's is he better than Jack Campbell? Like I I understand he won cups. I mean that was a long time ago, and that was you know behind Sidney Crosby and Kenny Malkin, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I don't think the Leafs are that. Well, you know what? A year from now, we might be saying that uh, Sidney Crosby and 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 um, Evgeny Malkin that might be Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. <laughs> in, in terms of what? Oh, staying their whole hockey careers in one city? <laughs> no, in terms of you know winning some cups because Leafs uh, with Matt Murray in the net, you never know what can happen. He can turn on the uh, afterburners and win them a few series. Who knows? Uh, oh, okay, okay. Would not bet on that. <laughs> But how about the Car- Carolina with Pacioretty and uh, Brent Burns? I mean, that's really, uh, I mean, for basically nothing. Yeah, the yeah. Carolina garbage man. Just take another team's trash that they don't want. I he's still, I know you don't like him, but he's still a thirty-five goal scorer. And on the on Carolina, I mean, he's getting thirty-five goals again. And Brent Burns, oh, I, I think, think so too. You know, and Brent Burns going to be. You can they'll tell him to do whatever he wants, right? On that offense. Hey, Paul. Paul, what do, you, what do you think Rod Brendamore will think of Mac, Max Pacioretty's playing style? I don't know, but I think – see, the, the Hurricanes do all this stuff that looks like it's craziness, and then it turns into roses for them. I mean, mm. that Nakovic character in Detroit, everybody's like, oh, they should have signed him there. He's going to suck. It didn't. You know, mm. they, uh, what else did they do? Um, D'Angelo. That didn't work, but I was thinking uh, 
but even that they they re-signed him for a ridiculous contract, which probably will, he'll turn out to be great. I hate them. Oh, I don't know about that one. Kokiemi does not look very good. But D'Angelo, uh, you know, mm. they they did a great thing offloading him to Philly and getting some picks, and then of course they get you know Burns for a salary cap dump, and then they get yeah, that was a good play. I agree that Philly play with D'Angelo to get some picks for his had the rights to negotiate with him was pretty good. But them signing D'Angelo was obviously a great play. I know that guy's a bit of an asshole, but, man, he's a hell of a hockey player. He was spectacular in the playoffs. Spectacular. Yeah. Huh. But Burns is still better, even at 37. That's the point, yeah. right? And cheaper. So, Don Waddell having a, a hell of a free agent uh, period. But, you know, I was I was going to say that I thought Kent Hughes was having a great free agency, but it just struck me that there's an available free agent that those guys should have signed already. And I, I don't know why they haven't. And that is... Scotty Bowman. Oh, yes. Recently uh, released from Chicago. Yes. You Bring him back as a senior advisor. Why not? <laughs> in the Walking Hockey Encyclopedia, and he's still sharp at his age. Bring him back. Yeah, I mean, statistically, he should be dead. So I, I wouldn't bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta, I, I get it. It would be great for sentimental reasons, but he's 88. Do you think he's like... Still got a sharp mind. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he's been on TSN 690 a few times over the oh, years. That's uh, at least once a year. Yeah. He still sh- sounds pretty sharp. Mm. They just, uh, I just saw on Twitter that they had, they hired a, the Habs hired two people for their analytics department. So there's still beefing that up, mm. which is, uh, that's a good sign. Yeah, yes. one of the people, some artificial intelligence robot guy they, they hired. Oh, hopefully, Maybe. hopefully they like take any player they have that doesn't have any heart. Hopefully they can put like uh, <laughs> some type of robotic uh, Gallagher. Imagine if this guy can do a Gallagher heart transplant, take Gallagher's <laughs> heart and put it into somebody that doesn't try. Oh, Gallagher's heart into Armia's body. Boom. There you are. Okay, I'd be on. Board Come on. <laughs> I'm thinking Drew and but you know what the hell. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that too. Army yeah. might be even better, but uh, you know, I love the fact that the guy they hired to head up the analytics department actually invented some several of the technologies that most teams use right now. So uh. he's got a really good guy to run it. I don't know anything. But Does he have a kill switch on those so he can prevent those other teams from using it anymore? <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy that the Canadians organization is coming into the 21st century belatedly. So yes. A, a really good sign. So long may it continue. Yes, some baby steps in the right direction. I'll, I'll, I'll agree to that. Where's Kadri going to sign? Where's Kadri going to sign? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's the one that's uh, hasn't really made a mark yet. The the Flames, you know, they got the money now. Yeah, I think that oh. makes perfect sense. And Daryl would just absolutely love him. Hmm. Sure about that. that Why would you not hasn't? love him? <laughs> No, I'm being serious. What bad cadre comes out in the regular season? No. Uh, nah, there's no more bad cadre. It, it just there's cadre that got caught in Toronto, and cadre that's learned not to get caught anymore. <laughs> he knows how to he knows how to fall into the goalies now and not hit players from behind. He's uh, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that might be where he lands. He's a great player. I mean, uh, if he wasn't 31, he would have. I would have loved to have him in Montreal, but he's, I was surprised by his age. Actually, I didn't realize he was in the league that long. Yeah, I remember watching him in the nights. He was, you know, he was something special, right? And it took him a while to 
to, to get that next level, right? With the Leafs, he never really got it. But when he went away, uh, he really kind of exploded last year. It was just a significant. And you saw the difference it made for the Avalanche, right? I mean, the Avalanche hmm. never really did anything in the playoffs until they had that second-line center, Kadri, who was around and not suspended. And, uh, of course, you know, other big bodies with the Chushkin who they br- brought back. Mm. Birokovsky, they lost to Seattle, which made me happy as a, as a tank fan. Right. Oh. I thought, oh, Seattle's getting better. You know, they're adding Shane Wright. They got Beniers that came on last year that uh, really mm. kind of turned their, the last 10 games around for them. And right. on the Birokovsky, yeah, you can pump up that team a little bit and <laughs> Montreal can just I- keep trading people away. I read a stat that $926 million were spent yesterday in terms of total contracts. Is that possible? Yes, because people are doing stupid things like giving long-term deals to people like Nikolai Delorier and... Yeah, $500. I loved seeing that tweet saying, you could say Nick Delorier is the worst offensive player in the league and it showed his offensive numbers. And then another graph saying, you could say that Nick Delorier is actually the worst player in the NHL. Because he, he is bad. Like, I can remember when he was in Montreal. Sure, it was fun that he fought. And I know everyone loved him in Anaheim. And players love him. But he is an atrocious NHL hockey player. Mm. Atrocious. I get yeah. for like but a I, year, but like four years is just a long time for a player of that type that's been around for a while, too. Yeah. The, the Flyers are going to beat the shit out of people at the start of the season. So Torts is going to have them wired up. The Flyers will probably win nine games in October. <laughs> and then go in the tank. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll, they'll suck. They'll suck by the time winter rolls around, and they're sick and tired of listening to Tortorella yell at them by mid to late December. But they're going to come out of the out of the start of the season like gangbusters. I'm going to be betting them puck line a lot in October. Okay, I had, I, that, well, I kind of wondered if he was uh, if Tortorella was going to sign as like an assistant coach or associate coach, maybe even Montreal. To be honest, because he had that strong connection with Saint Louis. I wonder if he can take orders. <laughs> Yeah, that's the oh, only thing. Could you imagine Marty St. Louis yelling at uh, Tortorella? Oh, my God, I would love that so much. <laughs> what was the, the, that thing, I, you know, with the, the Flyers? I mean, just perplexing management, you know, to, what they gave to Arizona to take Gossett's Bear and then what they gave mm. to Ristolina to get Ristolina and now what they yeah. – for D'Angelo. And it's just like it's just an absurd amount to just – because Gossett's Bear and D'Angelo are pretty much pretty similar, right? I mean, they're just offensive defensemen that are not good defensively whatsoever. Yeah. And so it's just like, ugh, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I have no idea. Oh, and two other things too, uh, to circle back to the Leafs, they're loving the Habs defense from a couple of years ago because they signed Victor Mete and Jordy Ben today. So they're oh, loading I, up on ex-Habs defenders. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> Interesting. Pair them together. <laughs> they're going to pair them together. Yep, yeah, they are. Why not? <laughs> I didn't know Jordy Ben was still playing, honestly. Uh, yeah, uh, didn't he play in Vancouver? I thought, or something? Or not? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Dallas and then Vancouver, I think. Or no, Dallas before us. Yeah. Maybe Mitch Marner was involved in uh, the them, high, them signing Victor Mete because I know they they used to play in London together, right? So that's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. And circle back to one other thing since you mentioned that uh, with the Kirby Docs uh, trade, I remember reading that. Uh, that Hughes had reached out to um, Justin Barron to ask him his thoughts on what it was like to play with him when he was with the uh, Team Canada t- uh, junior team. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was uh, he was set to have a great tournament. And he got that wrist injury, and that really screws up mm-hmm. the player. We saw with uh, Drouin, 
you know, Gianta had some arm injuries too that really kind of affected him by the end of his uh, career. You know, he couldn't shoot anymore. And uh, so hopefully, I mean, I'm sure surgeries can do marvelous things now. And he wasn't a great shooter to begin with. But, uh, I mean, the skill set is, it's impressive. I mean, for a six-foot-fourth player, it's really reminiscent of Getzloff. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison. Definitely more of a playmaker. Yeah, he hates to shoot the puck, so that'll be something Marty will have to get on his ass for, for sure. (laughs) But it worked with Caulfield. He got Caulfield shooting the puck again. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's that's what we got to hope for is that he's got that magic touch with the younger guys. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, uh, I think we're out of topics and almost out of time. So thanks very much for joining me tonight. Beautiful. Great chat. Yes, thanks Great. for having me. Definitely. Go, Abs, go. <laughs> Let's go, Slavkovsky. 40 goals. Woo! There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm You've converted. I'm I, I I never booed or anything. I just sat quietly in my seat. No, he never just, booed. He no. never booed. You were stunned. Yeah, oh, I was just yeah, stunned. Was I stunned. really thought it was Shane Wright. Like I I I was yeah. I, I would have bet like five hundred bucks to be Shane Wright. I had to yeah. call the kids helpline. <laughs> I pissed off. I call. I actually called Norm to vent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things we said is John must be absolutely losing his shit. <laughs> It, 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 it did immediately get better. Like when the Devils did not pick him, and then the Coyotes didn't either. It made it a little bit better because then I'm like, mm. at least the Devils didn't pick him too. You know, they, you're going to see him three to five times a year. He's going to like it. Would have been a lot worse. So yeah. um, I'm and, happy and, and he's in Seattle. He'll be an afterthought too. for a long time. And they still Pardon got me? the young center too, right? Which makes it a little more palpable. You know, you were happy with the dog trade when it happened. Yes, yeah, I, I am very happy with the dog trade. I, I think I think Marty can turn Kirby Dock into a player. I hope you're right. It's funny when I wrote that thing for perhaps well, I, I read it to my daughter and she said, "Dad, you left out the cursing and the cursing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know I'd heard of the five stages of grief before, but I think you elevated to like seven. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> he added he added, he had a side suicide and murder in it. <laughs> i will say it's 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 exciting to to pick the first ever slovakian first overall i mean that's great for that that's like i said i, I might have mentioned before it's like the golden generation of slovakia right and one and two that's never happened the right. highest was gabrick three like ages ago yeah. and then philip mishar later getting his friend awesome adam sikora beginning of the second round when i forget who he went to but he's another slovak and then the next Next draft. Sakura was Sakura was picked right after um, Bone Boy, after Hudson. Right after Hudson, Sakura got picked. I think. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. There you go. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, happy happy for that country. I mean, that's just uh, good for them. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something they can really look up to. Yep. Hopefully, it may, hopefully it makes all the young kids growing up. They want to be the next Uri Slavkovsky, and they're only playing in Montreal no matter what. <laughs> we can hope. on that note good night guys good night